think that we need to change the name of this weekend to Plan Ahead Weekend because there is not a reservation to be had in the city. If it includes food or flowers or gardens or tea or whatever else we all deem feminine, it's going to be sold out. When we first moved to the area, it was about mid-April, and my husband called to try to make reservations for Mother's Day. And the person on the other line said, uh, sir, you really need to start planning ahead. We're sold out. This is like a month ahead of time. And that was before we have all of the restraints that we have now. It's sold out. And it's interesting to me because this weekend is all about making sure the women in our lives don't have to do anything, especially when it comes to food <laughs> and cleaning. And so in many houses, as a very general rule, in many houses this weekend, instead of saying, go ask your mother or mom or can I or can I or will I, will I, do I, please, mom, in many houses, we're hearing, don't ask your mother anything, just come to me. <laughs> because as a very general rule, it happens to be that whatever mother figure you have in your life tends to be the one to enforce rules. How many of you, raise your hand, you can raise your hand. How many of you like rules? Okay, yeah, all right, okay. Good. How many of you don't like rules? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, well, for fun, let's play a fun game. If I were to have a big whiteboard here and it said house rules, what are the rules that would be there for your house? It can be your current house, your house growing up, whatever it is. What are the rules you think people have in their houses? Pick up after yourself. I like that. Take, pick up, take off your shoes. No playing baseball inside the house. That is a good rule, especially for three boys. No playing baseball in the house. What else? No fussing. Clean the dishwasher. Be the dishwasher. Flush the toilet. That's a good one. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll move on from that one. Love it. Keep your bike in the garage. Yes. Pick up your skateboards. If I had a big board and it said school rules, what would be on my list of school rules? Whoa, whoa. That was faster. Tell me again. Raise your hand. I heard it. Raise your hand. No talking in the hallway. Keep your hands... Keep your hands to yourself. No running in the classroom. No chewing gum in the classroom. I didn't hear that one, but it was a good one. No cheating on test. Keep your mask up. That's a new one. Okay. Do you think we have rules at church? All right, let's put up another whiteboard. What are the rules that you think we have at church? No screaming. No screaming. 
no running to the stage. That's a good one. We need to break that one one day. What else? Some people say no running. Some people say you have to be really quiet. You have to sit real still. Wear a mask. There's another one. Don't sit in the reserved seats. That's a beautiful one. There's a baptism family. Don't sit in their reserved pews. No matter how you feel about rules, they are everywhere. Written or unwritten, spoken or unspoken, we have rules for pretty much everything. Every relationship you're in and every situation you find yourself, there's some rule. I love rules. I feel like they help me order things. My husband is the exact opposite. And so my husband is one of those spirit of the law kind of people. And I'm the letter of the law kind of people. Sometimes my husband makes fun of me. He'll say, you just make up rules for no reason and then oppose them on yourself. And I'm like, duh, doesn't everybody do that? (laughs) And it's a really good thing I like rules because I'm a United Methodist. And United Methodist, we have some rules as a church and as a denomination. And in fact, the United Methodist, we love rules so much that we put them all in a book. And we call it the book of discipline. And we love that book of discipline so much that we publish it every four years. And you would think every time we go to publish this book of rules that we would look through every rule and we would keep them scriptural yet fresh and current, but we do not. Instead, we just add more rules and we make the book thicker and thicker and thicker. And now we're like in a whole appendix of a book. That's true. It's really, really, really hard to change a rule for church and in our denomination. And it is so hard that I think it would take the founder, John Wesley himself, to help us. And that is why I need to tell you how important last week was. Last week was an incredible, incredible celebration because last week marks the 65th year of a rule change. And the rule change impacted the lives of girls and women. And there should be a picture on your screens so that we can see it. This is from the Book of Discipline from 1956. And it says, women are included to all provisions of the discipline referring to the ministry. As of 65 years ago, women were allowed to be ordained in church. And that's huge. And what that means is 65 years because of a rule change, it impacted the way that we all live together. And what it means is that girls like Charlotte and Sophia can live into the church and live into the call and the life that God has placed in them. So they have a place at the church, no matter what it needs to be. And so we celebrate that rule change today. In fact, 
on the 50th anniversary of that rule change, we were all given these stoles to mark the celebration of women's ordination. And I don't really have an occasion to wear it a whole lot, but I keep it in my office as a symbol of rule changers. We all know rule changers. We find them all the time in scripture. You remember the rule about how women were supposed to have children a certain way? And then we meet Sarah, and we meet Anna, and we meet Mary, and they change the rule. Do you remember the rule about how women shouldn't be in places of leadership? And then we meet women like Deborah and Tabitha and Phoebe, and the rule changes. And then you remember how there are rules of the laws of inheritance and how men are only supposed to control the law of inheritance. And then we meet a beautiful mother-in-law and daughter-in-law dynamic duo named Ruth and Naomi, and they changed the rules. There are symbols of rule changers and game changers throughout scripture. In the New Testament, the very symbol of a rule change is the life of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Over and over again in the New Testament, everything that Jesus does is to change a rule and he even breaks a few along the way. You remember this story about how Jesus kept telling everybody he was the Messiah? <laughs> that totally broke all the rules of church. And remember the time when he went into temple and he actually read the scroll? He actually broke his parents' rule on that one. They couldn't find him. And do you remember the time when he invited a tax collector to be a good close friend? That kind of broke the rules of school or of culture. We have beautiful stories. One that I want to read you today is a time when Jesus changed or broke the rule in the gospel of Luke chapter 13. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant, because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on Sabbath day? And when he said this, 
all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. Curing on the Sabbath, Jesus was just kind of asking for trouble on that one. Jesus goes to church, and there at the church, there are other people, not unlike us, who were there to worship and to pray and to sing. And there was in the crowd a woman who was bent over because of her ailment. And now notice, never does it say the woman does anything. She didn't approach Jesus. She didn't ask Jesus. She didn't even reveal faith in Jesus. The only one that's acting in that text is Jesus himself. And so we have this woman who has bent over for 18 years. And for 18 years, all she can see is the dust and the dirt and a little bit of the path in front of her. For 18 years, she doesn't get to see the sun and the sky. For 18 years, all she can do is turn her head side to side as if saying no to herself every single day. For 18 years, she has the burden of an ailment. And Jesus walks right over to her and says, woman, be freed. And as soon as she's healed, as soon as she is freed, people get mad. Instead of celebrating that, people get mad about it. And we all know what happens when we see somebody breaking a rule. If you saw your brother or your sister breaking a rule, what do you do? Ooh, I'm telling. We do it all the time. I'm telling mom. I have a friend that's a first grade teacher, and she says that no matter what, she receives a daily report of, ooh, I'm telling. Ooh, I'm telling. She didn't wash her hands. Ooh, I'm telling. She didn't clean her desk off. Ooh, I'm telling. He took his mask off when he sneezed. Like, I don't know if to take it off or not to take it off. I don't know the rule. It's kind of gross both ways. I feel sorry for that child. But still, there's a lot of telling. And my first grade teacher friend, she says that she tells them the same thing every time. The day you don't break a rule is the day you can tell me about somebody else. And do you know that Jesus says the same thing to the rabbis? He uses a first teacher tactic. He says, really? You're going to get mad at me. All day long, you untied an animal. You let an animal be free for your own need. And you're going to be mad at me for freeing another for her own need? We are so quick to judge other people and how they break the rules. They break the rules of church or school or culture. We're so quick to judge them. And while we're judging them, we're standing up straight and tall. And we're forgetting that the only reason we're standing up straight and tall is because we are holding on to canes. 
And those are canes that we use because scripture has been misquoted, laws have been misinterpreted, and norms have been unjustified. And here those rabbis are saying, there are six days for you to do this. You had to pick the one day you couldn't? They say to Jesus, this is the only day you can't do it, so why today? Why not just wait till tomorrow? If you have ever been hurting, if you have ever been suffering, one day can feel like a lifetime. Why in the world would we see someone hurting and make them wait for one more day before they can feel the freedom, the healing of God's love and grace and forgiveness. And why in the world would we wait one more moment before we jump in there and help them? Maybe we should be looking around to find the people that need the help now. I think that if we look around, if we look in our neighborhoods, if we look in our community, we will see people who have ailments everywhere. In particular, I think that if we paid attention, we would see there are a lot of women bent over. There are women who are bent over because of a treatment or an illness or a disease. There are women who are built, bent over because of the color of their skin tone and the way they've been treated. There are women who are bent over because they're figuring out who they love and if it's okay to love that person. And there are women who are bent over because they are trying not to have a child and tell everybody it's okay. And there are women that are bent over who are trying desperately to have a child and they're trying to tell everybody that that's okay. And there are women who are bent over because they know death inside their body and outside their body. And there are women who know that they can't be the parent they want to be for a host of reasons. There are women who have the ailment of just trying to figure out what happens next. There are women and men all over that we know that are suffering because of some rule that someone put on them. And it's a weight and a burden that they carry. And so maybe it's our turn to be the only one acting in their story, to use our faith that we have and help them be freed so they can know the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Because I personally think that God is much more in the business of celebrating a healing than worrying about what day it is. Some of you might know this. I've shared this before. Uh, I spent some time as an executive director of an emergency shelter of a domestic assault and abuse center. And so we had a huge 24-hour, seven-day-a-week emergency shelter. And that building was incredibly huge. And my very first day there, I knew I was going to be lost. I didn't know where to go anywhere. It was like one big maze. And so I decided that I was going to learn the building by just walking around and opening doors and see where they led. And so I did it. I just started walking around, and I came up to this one door, and I went to push it 
but I could tell somebody was pushing on the other side. And so very quickly, I jumped out of the way and the door swung open and there was a woman and she had this huge load of laundry in her hands. And so she just walked through the door and right behind her, there was a child and arms were loaded with laundry. And right after that, there was another child and then a third child, arms full of laundry, and then a fourth little one with arms full of laundry. And that fourth one looked right up at me and came straight to me, extended his arms of laundry. I bent down, put my arms out, because that's what you do. And then he loaded all of his laundry right onto me. And so I became the fifth duckling in the row. And I began to walk and follow this mom through the maze of the shelter that she knew. And then we got to one door. She opened it, and it was obviously her shelter room door. And she did one of these moves. <laughs> she opened it and kicked it. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Your arms are full of laundry. She opened it and held it open, and then she backed up. And as she's sitting there holding the door, first child went and unloaded the laundry right there on the bed. Second child went straight to the bed, threw the laundry on the bed. Third child, same thing. Fourth one came right up to the bed, looked at right at me and said, right there. <laughs> it was my third day at work, but it was his laundry day. That family, that mother, she stayed with us for about 15 weeks, maybe 18 weeks. She set some goals for herself, and she met every single one of them. And the day came where they were going to move out. And so we caught her at that moment. We walked outside the shelter, and we caught her in that moment of where she's bent down and half in the car and half out because she's buckling up all the children. Have you ever been there? She's like buckling up all the people. And then as soon as she gets everybody buckled up, she comes out and she goes into the next door, and she does one of those like, cramming in the laundry basket like the very last thing of the move and she like crammed the laundry basket and slammed the door have you ever done that and then she noticed we were behind her and she turned around and she stood straight up and she put her hands as wide out as she could and she just looked up and she it was like she felt the sun for the very first time and she came over and she just gave us all this big hug Mother's Day, it might be a good day to help someone out with the laundry. But I think Mother's Day is more about helping every woman stand up straight again. Amen. Be in prayer with me. Gracious and holy Lord, I thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you that today you are our wonderful, divine, holy parent. And that no matter where we are, no matter the people in our lives, that we can look to you for everything that we need to show and to live as an example. So, Lord, we thank you this day for the many parents around the world. And we thank you this day for the many who have been like parents to us. For all of the people who have been adopted and fostered, we say thank you. And for all of the people that have done the adopting and fostering, we say thank you. And for the many, Lord, 
who are going through something that makes it feel like a burden, we ask you to send us to them. Send your servants to them, Lord, so that we can help them stand up straight again. Help us to lift others and to inspire others. And if there are times this week that we have forgotten to do that, Lord, we ask for forgiveness and ask that you give us another try this week. So help us not wait for someone else, but help us be the change. Help us change a rule. Help us change a heart. Help us change whatever it is we need so that other people can live the way you need them to live. Amen.